0: a mucky business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might think politics is tainted by compromise and sin, and you would be right, but then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we're going to be heading back to the Labour Party conference for part two of our special event recorded in front of a live audience at Liverpool St. James in the city. We'll hear from Hannah Rich, the new director of Christians on the left. But before that, some thoughts on the political ongoings of the past week. Governing is a great responsibility. The stewardship of a nation is a massive task. A major criticism of the government's actions last week in announcing a financial plan that caused economic meltdown was that the Prime Minister and Chancellor had been warned of the damaging effects of such actions. Yet, they ignored the warnings and the advice, had sacked the senior civil servant in the Treasury and had refused to share their plans for analysis by the Office for Budget Responsibility. Next, they failed to explain how they would pay for a huge increase in government borrowing. And so they lost the confidence of the financial markets. The pound went into freefall to the extent that the Bank of England had to step in. It seems that the government was seeking to conduct an experiment based on an ideological desire to overhaul established economic thinking without consulting anyone, without listening to advice, Now, it would be fair to say that they did this without a mandate, given that this approach was not in the last Conservative manifesto. The fact that they have now done a partial U-turn over the 45p tax rate shows quite how unpalatable this was, even to their own MPs. But this was also an experiment with the potential to do real and huge harm to people's lives and already fragile finances. Rising interest rates and inflation are pushing up the cost of mortgages, food, and other goods by far more than the government energy package will alleviate them. On this show, we really do try to be even-handed, not to criticize politicians and policies just because we disagree with them. Instead, we seek to understand the rationale of different ways of thinking. But sometimes a situation arises that simply leaves us, well, gobsmacked. There is nothing wrong in principle with pursuing a particular ideological way of doing things. All governments and individuals are motivated to act by their beliefs, but there is a difference between wise and reckless actions by those who wield power over others. So how do we look at this from a Christian point of view? We return often to Micah 6 verse 8 in Seeking God's Wisdom. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We have already established that this was not a humble act, but was it a just and merciful one? The principle of reducing taxes for the richest citizens to drive economic growth jars at a time when the poorest are having to decide whether to feed their children or to heat their homes. Shocking research from Christians Against Poverty has found that just under half the population of the UK, an estimated 25.4 million people, are now struggling financially. Eight million people are estimated to be going without heating or electricity completely, and eight and a half million are skipping meals. Even more heartbreakingly, another piece of Christians Against Poverty research found that 36% of CAP clients, those who turned to them in desperation, said they had considered or attempted suicide as a way out of debt. It is generally accepted in today's society That the government is responsible for providing a safety net for the poorest and neediest. This we call the welfare state. Politicians may favour more or less support through this system. We do not want people languishing on benefits or playing the system. Perhaps we feel that local communities should support those in their midst rather than government stepping in, yet there is no denying that recent events have seen a vast and real increase in need. Last week, the Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, spoke at the church service at the Labour conference and he likened a good economy to a well run household, a family where everyone is catered for according to their need. It should be unthinkable that some at the dinner table are fed while others go hungry. Yet, this is literally what is happening in many households at the moment. Parents go without to feed their children, children go to school for food as much as for education. Whatever we think, of the role of government in the economy and the welfare state, as Christians, we should agree that we have an imperative to love one another. Loving the Bible is not a sentimental, slushy feeling. It is a gritty engagement with other people's lives. Jesus not only came to preach the salvation of souls, but he fed and healed the people he encountered. For his followers, this means we should also look after each other in practical ways. The early Christians whose stories are told in the book of Acts Ensured that they gave to anyone who had need. And as part of the same process, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Because we have faith in the one who saves, we must also show his love to others through our politics to tackle the poverty, hunger, and injustice that are rife in our world. We need to be praying for great wisdom for our government to understand their stewardship responsibility and to put this into practice by acting justly loving mercy and walking humbly through this crisis a mucky business with tim farron so let's head back to liverpool for part two of our live event at labour party conference if you missed last week's part one with Stephen tim's mp just search for our mucky business on your chosen podcast provider We're going to hand over or bring in uh, a new guest. Uh, And I say new, new to her role in the last fortnight. Um, Welcome to Hannah Rich, who is the director, the new director of Christians on the Left. That's the Labour Party's uh, Christian wing organisation. You can tell me. So first of all, how did you end up in the role that you are in?
1: That's a very good question, Tim. I've been our um, vice chair for the last five years, actually. So I'm not completely new to the organisation, um, although I am new to kind of the paid part of, of my role. Mm. Um, and it's a really kind of long and winding journey into politics, I guess. It's not something I ever set out to do. Um, and I'm quite often asked to do kind of career advice sessions for people that want to get into politics. Mm. Um, And I feel like a little bit of a fraud when I do those, because (laughs) if if I was, you know, my second year at uni or first year or wherever they are, that's not the session that I would have gone to because mm. that's not the career that I kind of set out on then. Mm. I was studying French and Spanish um, and I prayed those big kind of world-changing prayers that you pray when you're a student that you'll go wherever God sends you and you'll do whatever God calls you and I was fe- studying Spanish at the time so I was very certain that whatever the answer to that was was somewhere hot. Yeah. Um, definitely you know maybe South America maybe somewhere uh, slightly warmer and less rainy than Westminster um, but somewhere along the line God and um, well God has a sense of humor as we all know and mm. um, through various twists and turns of, of different um, different jobs that I've done over the years i've uh, I've ended up here
0: so tell me first of all how you came to be a Christian how did that come about
1: I can't remember a time when I when I wasn't grew mm. up in a, in a Christian home uh, grew up with you know kind of it's the very boring answer isn't it that it's just always been um, part of my life I couldn't even tell you kind of the day yeah. um, or the moment at which it became a part of my life really Um yeah,
0: And was your faith in any way um, an inspiration for you to step into the world of politics? What What was the moment that brought you to click on or sign on the dotted line and become a member of the Labour Party?
1: Yeah, I think my faith was definitely part of that. The story that I always tell of where, when I knew that um, somewhere along the line, politics or, or political kind of advocacy was something I wanted to get mm. involved with. I was on my year abroad. Um, So I guess God did actually use that Spanish degree and the fact that I was doing that and the fact that I was in somewhere warm, somewhere along the line. But I was in Madrid working for an international church um, and I was involved in their food bank ministry that mm. they ran to migrant families in, in Madrid. Um, and at that point, the economy of Spain was so bad, it was tanking mm. that the, these migrant families, their families back home were sending their money to Spain wow. rather than wow. the other way around. Um, and we ran this food bank and it was you know, it was an incredible experience, but I, I realized um, that actually it wasn't the, the existence of that food bank that made me really angry. That did make me angry, that was wrong, it shouldn't have had to exist. Mm. Um, but it was the fact that it existed half a mile down the road from the Real Madrid football ground. Yeah. Um, and it was the year that, and I'll get the figure wrong, but they bought Gareth Bale for about 80 billion pounds. It was the most expensive yeah, footballer yeah. there had ever been. Yeah. Um, and pretty much from where I was serving these migrant families, you could see um, you could see some of his houses some of kind of where yeah. some of the footballers lived. Yeah. Um, and it really struck me that um, it wasn't just that this food bank existed that was wrong. It was the, in- the existence of mm. such close proximity and inequality um in that that mm. that i felt really passionate about ending the inequality was was an injustice not just poverty yeah. um, not just the fact that these people didn't didn't have anything had less than less than nothing really just that comparison um, yeah, yeah just that really really stark um you know that one man could be worth 80 billion pounds at the same time as people down the road couldn't afford yeah. a tin of beans or yeah. a of milk um yeah
0: yeah, so Christians on the Left, as a as an organisation previously known as the Christian Socialist Movement, and uh, obviously exists within uh, a you know, I think the the largest membership party in in the UK. Um, do you know what your numbers are like? Are you a big organisation?
1: We're about two and a half thousand, I think.
0: That's not bad. I think, I'm that's sure it's bigger all. than the Lib Dem Christian Forum. Uh, so that's, that's
1: the Christians on the Left membership, not the Labour Party.
0: You know, no, no we, we, <laughs> we 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 can, we can hope you do it better than that. But so. Now, obviously, as an as an organisation, do you do you act as a kind of lobbying organisation within the party, or are you a fellowship organisation, or a bit of both? What are you?
1: A bit of both. I think we exist. Um, a bit of both. We exist as a, an organisation where we fairly, we do what we say on the team. Really, we're Christians on the left of politics, and we're a broad church within a broad mm. church. It's the strapline <laughs> that we often have that we are Christians of kind of every flavour. Um, And we're kind of every flavour of on the left as well. We don't kind of ask at the door what Mm. what sort of Labour member you are. And particularly over the last few years, that's been a really divisive question within the Mm. party that... um, I've often felt frustrated that when you say you're a Christian, sometimes people then want to unpick what sort you are and want to box mm. you in narrower than just a Christian. And the same has happened on the left, that mm. it's not been enough to say you're a Labour Party member or you're a supporter of the party. People want to know, well, what sort are you? Um, but I think that Christian on the left, certainly for me, is, a, is both broad enough a description mm. um, and narrow enough a description at the same time of, of who I am and, and what my values are and why I do what I do. Um, So we exist to kind of help Christians engage with the left of Mm. politics, Christians who are engaging on the left, um, but also to help the left engage with faith and Christianity more Mm. broadly. So I think we see our our work going both ways in in that regard. We certainly support Christians who are already engaging in in politics, whether they're Labour um, MPs, councillors, whether that's something they're looking Mm. to get into, um, or actually even whether they are local Labour Party members whose local parties, again, at, at times over the last few years have been really difficult places to, mm. to exist and to be a Christian. So um, it's kind of every level of, of politics and yeah. that.
0: Now, one of your predecessors, Andy Flanagan, uh, is now uh, the Director of Christians in Politics, and that which involves bringing all the kind of uh, Christian wings, if you like, or groups in the political parties together. How have you found working with, have you, have you begun, have you had any conversations with, for example, the, the Conservative Christian Forum, and, and how would you feel about that?
1: I have to say on day five of the job, um, three of which have been spent at Labour Party conference, (laughs) I haven't yet had those conversations, but I'm really excited for that. I think one of the things that I am proudest of, actually, of Christians on the left is that we are not um, a silo. We, mm. we, we do engage with Christians in politics, we engage um, and pray with actually members of uh, the Lib Dem Christian Forum, of the Conservative Christian Fellowship, um, and see those things as, as valuable a part of our work as um, a lot of the work that we yeah. do do in party. So yeah, I'm really excited for, for that. Um, yeah,
0: and It's a big witness, isn't it? I mean, it's a phrase, I don't know whether Andy Flanagan invented it, but it's one that we always nick off him, which is its kingdom above tribe. Um, but I was sat, um, last Friday, on the other side of the chamber from Kwasi kwatang and deeply angered by some of the things that were being proposed—the tax cuts for very wealthy people, in particular—and um, that you know we'll all be paying for that through debt in the years to come. This is an opinion. Others are uh, allowed. Um, But on the other side of the house, there are people I pray with um, who will have here heard all that. And so how how do we manage as Christians to model grace um, and one sense of unity in the spirit and yet also have really quite passionate disagreements over issues like social justice?
1: I think it's really hard and it's certainly not one that I have... um always got the answer to um or even one that i've always got right but i think you, you started by saying that you you pray with those people um sometimes it's easier to pray for them than to pray <laughs> with them cause you don't have to see them there in front of you but actually that's a good place to begin to mm. to pray for them um and to remember that uh that they're humans too, that they're our our brothers and sisters. The Archbishop of York actually yesterday in his uh, sermon in this building at our our service talked about how when we pray our father, um, that's really radical because we're starting with our Mm. father and we're saying that we're all in this together. um, And that is the same prayer that is prayed in churches across the country, um, across the world even, of all different political flavours. And I think it's quite a humbling thing to say that we we pray that and we recognise that we're, you know, Brothers and sisters, we might have nothing in common um, politically, or very little in common politically, but we've got a whole lot in common um, in the faith.
0: Wonderful. Right. Any questions? Or anybody wants to say something that they've not said already? Yes, you've been very patient, <coughs> sir. Have we got... If you hang about, we're going to have a microphone with you in seconds. I'm Mark. Um, Mark. And you'll want to kill, kill me after I say this. I'm a member of the Conservative Party. Oh, great. Well, you're very but, welcome. <laughs> but I, But I don't support the current government. And I didn't vote for this trust. Even if you did, you're welcome. That's the kind well, of nice people we are. <laughs> um, I'm in despair at what ha- what occurred on Friday. But that's another matter. Um, Tim, I know you've had prob- issues with this in the past. But how do we navigate a world in politics where certain things are so adverse to our scriptural beliefs, and I'm talking about human sexuality. So I th- where do you start with that? I think you start, first of all, with the fact that everybody is made in God's image, and all people have ultimate equal dignity, and and no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. And then I think we also then have to take people on a little bit of a journey, because I think we all of our identities matter to us, and to a degree, they, well, they matter to God, because we matter to God. But there is something much loftier and more significant than that. And so I think helping people to just um, two things I'd say. One is just a thought experiment. So let's just imagine for a moment that there is a God and let's have some let's have some ground rules in this imagined thought experiment. And the first is that this God is perfect awesome, breathed two trillion galaxies, the entire universe into existence and knows every single atom of it and made every single atom and controls it. So he's awesome and he's perfect. And let's also assume that you're not and I'm not. Okay, if we can, those ground rules, to start off in our imagined experiment, if the God of the universe, that God, agreed with you on everything, affirmed everything you think and made you feel comfortable, I'm pretty convinced that Richard Dawkins is right in respect of that God. He's a delusion. You've invented him to make you feel better about yourself, you know. He's your right, but he doesn't exist. If there's a real God, he will contradict you and disturb you, unsettle and unnerve you. And if he does, you might have met the real one. And I think it's important just to think at a moment what a relationship with the real God would be like. And then the next thing I'd do is point you at the cross. Because in the end, whatever the answer is to some of these very difficult questions, and they are difficult, and there's, you know, it's, it's, it's arrogant, I think, for me to say that I know better than God what counts as a transgression. Um, and you know, so I don't. Um, but let's remember that whatever the answer is, it isn't that he doesn't love us. That you have a God who uh, submitted himself not just to the obvious agonies of the cross and the shame of it, but to be in effectively in hell. For uh, That is something which tells you that we have a God who is awesome and loves you deeply at great cost. And we take people on that journey. I don't want to win arguments with people. I want to point people at Jesus Christ. Um, Now, as we get close towards the end of our time together, I think we have got time for one more, two more questions. Um, So or comments, or from the floor. Yes. Hi, John from Liverpool. I'm an Italian, by the way. Um, we beat West Ham over the weekend, so <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's good news. Tim, every, if I ever mention your name anywhere, people have the highest regard and the highest respect for your integrity. What impact did the gay lobby have on you, which has just been referred to? I mean, the way you were treated was appalling, uh, and you were, you, you were hounded, Um, and I'm not too sure you were given a fair hearing. Has your theology, your biblical knowledge, your interpretation on those scriptures that caused the the problem, uh, uh, have you changed in any way? Um, Well, look, when all's said and done, I don't complain about the position. I'm glad I was leader, and I'm glad I'm not now. Um, And, you know, God does wonderful things with people, and he's only got sinners to work with Um, and so we are flawed human beings and I you know you're far too gracious about I think I made all sorts of terrible mistakes in in many respects but the bottom line is um, what I've been left with is a situation where you know I'm kind of you know, if the f- cap fits, wear it, and people, oh, is that that's that Christian bloke, and so I have the opportunity to talk about the gospel to people, and I, often during that time as leader, I look like a rabbit in the headlights, well, now I'm roadkill, so it doesn't matter, um, and so I'm delighted to use the position that I've been put in, just to speak the gospel to anybody who wants to listen, really, but thank you for your kind remarks, even if, even if I don't think they're entirely merited, <laughs> yeah, go on. Thank you very much. Um, So we're talking about uh, leadership, it sounds like, and dealing with our differences. Mm. And we've had some really just lamentable examples in very recent history. (laughs) Um, Tim, what do you think good leadership looks like? What kind of characteristics should we be looking for? Well, I think it turns out integrity matters, doesn't it? Um, because now you can make bad decisions, you can make good decisions. It's very interesting at the moment. Obviously, things seem to be going pear-shaped for the current um, Prime Minister, but the, the bar was plunged so low with the previous incumbent that the fact she turned up to work and had a plan, even if it wasn't a particularly good plan, She's got brownie points for. <laughs> um, but uh, so I don't want to undermine her as an individual. And I, I do pray for it. And I will continue to as well. Liz Truss trust as the new prime minister. But I think obviously, first of all, understanding your own failings, because if you understand your own failings, you will then understand the kind of people you need to point to supplement your failings and and the things that you're not strong at. So the, the the best leaders are good at picking the people around them and are humble enough to understand what they can't do. And they listen to, um, to, a strong, to advice. And then I think in the end also you need to have clarity and you need to have credibility. So people need to believe that you are capable of doing the things that you do and need to be clear of what your vision is. And the one thing I'll say for Liz Truss, I think she's become some level of clarity. I just think, you know, clear about the wrong things, but I would think that wouldn't I? Uh, so, I but I do. Think, let's go back to integrity matters, because if your word cannot be trusted, then your clarity is is muddied. You may be very strident in what you say, but if you can't be trusted to, you know, tell the truth or carry out what you seek to do, then you know you will you will be undermined in terms of your own mission. Um, So we're getting close to the end now. Uh, Hannah, it's a massive pleasure to be here with you and to be at the Labour Party conference. A final word from you, really. There will be people in, um, in society as a whole, we said earlier on with Stephen, who just think, if they're Christians you know, we shouldn't be involved in politics because it's too mucky a business. There'll be people who are involved in politics who will think Christianity is all just a bit weird and Christians are a bit weird. What would you say to soothe the uh, b- broader um, membership of the Labour Party that maybe isn't, uh, doesn't have an active faith, that they've nothing to worry about from us guys?
1: Well, I'm not sure I can promise that we're all not a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> well, we are. I think so. we are probably are. Um, but I think that I would point to um some of the things that you've said that um as people of faith we're not just people who um believe in a God and do nothing with it. Mm. Um, that we have put it into action over the last well, not not just over the last few years with the pandemic, but people have been doing that consistency consistently for, for a long time. And I think I would point to some of the, the fruits of that. You know, we, we Jesus said they'll know you by your love. Um and I think when we when we put that into practice, um loving people really practically, um, then that's something that people can't deny. Um, you know, Dag Hammarskjöld, who was a UN diplomat in the 50s, I think, said, um, in our age, the route to holiness passes through action. Um, and I think that kind of, it's good for us. It's, you know, it's good for us to be to be doing those things practically and to see that as part of our faith and as part of our witness. Um, but I think it is also, those are the things that convince people, not necessarily any amount of argument, um, mm. certainly not any amount of trying to just, tell them that we're not weird um, but tell them that we are people who are, you know, do things because of our mm. love um, and they'll know that
0: Wonderful, Hannah, I'm so grateful to you, uh, massive thanks to Hannah Rich, uh, to Sir Stephen Timms, uh, to Christians on the Left for hosting us and uh, indeed for St James in the City for uh, being the venue and our host for this wonderful event, thanks very much for joining us